Hello, and welcome to the Kidney Cast. I'm Laura Morris. And I'm Ari Deckard. This is our podcast where I talk to Ari about his experiences with Alport syndrome, his three kidney transplants, and all his other health and medical stories. <laughs> but we haven't recorded an episode of the Kidney Cast in a long time. No. We, we got to the end of our story. We kind of caught up with current events and took a long break. And I promised that we would be back to record a future episode sometime if there were any Ari updates or any new kidney-related stuff in the news. Yeah. So we are recording this on the afternoon of Monday, May 15th. Last night on May 14th, Last Week Tonight with John Oliver on HBO did a segment about dialysis. They sure did. And more specifically, for-profit dialysis companies. Right. And since Ari has personal experience with both of the dialysis companies mentioned in the segment, Mm -hmm. we thought... We could give kind of a response to that segment, talk about some of your thoughts about it, and anything you'd add to people who saw that episode and were curious about what a patient might think about that. Yeah. So I will definitely link to the John Oliver segment in our show notes on my website, and I recommend that you watch that first because this whole episode will sort of be in response (laughs) to that. Right. But I'll quickly summarize. He was talking about private companies that offer dialysis services to kidney patients. Specifically, he was talking about DeVita, which he used as his case study, but he also mentioned Fresenius. Yes. They are the two biggest players, maybe the only players, basically, at this point in dialysis in America. And he was talking about how, with for-profit healthcare, companies that want to make a lot of money, predictably, sometimes cut corners. Yeah. And they do so in ways that are bad for patient health and safety. (laughs) Right. And specifically, he talked about issues relating to medication, relating to patient treatment, and relating to patient education. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of rough, I think, for both of us to watch. It was interesting and informative. Like, oh, hey, he's talking about this thing that we've lived. And then, oh, he's talking about this thing that we have lived. Right. So to start out with... You have done dialysis in centers owned by DeVita and Fresenius. Yep. So when you're watching this, how did it feel to to hear those practices described (laughs) and ways in which they don't do things well for patients and, in fact, might be endangering their patients? You know, he talked about that the mortality rate for Americans on dialysis is higher than in other countries and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. Uh, It was a little rough. It was a little scary. Um, To my knowledge... Both of the places where I long-term did in-center dialysis were not, at the time, owned by either of these companies. But almost all of the visitor dialysis I ever did was owned by both one or the other of those companies. And so it was a little scary. You know, it was always a little scary walking into those situations at the time because... You know, they're people who don't know my body. They're people who haven't spent time seeing how I react or they don't know how my fistula works or all of these things particular to me. But I didn't know at the time that also perhaps they didn't clean the machine thoroughly before I came on because their schedule was very important to them Um, or (laughs) any number of other things that not having very many nurses available yeah i mean that was pretty obvious that's that's always been pretty obvious um there's always been like one nurse um but when i was on dialysis in seattle there was a doctor who came by like once a week 
um, which was nice. And sometimes it was my doctor and sometimes it was another doctor. That is not the case, apparently, at any of the DeVita clinics, and I would assume also at the Fresenius clinics, because it's not required, so they don't do it because it's expensive. That's frightening. Um, nurses are amazing. They're wonderful. I owe my lives to my lives. I owe my singular life to many, many, many plural nurses, and they're wonderful. But doctors have specific training that is different from nurses that is valid and valuable and important when you're doing life-saving medical procedures like that. So that's just a couple of it, of examples that they mentioned where I didn't know that was going on. And so in retrospect, I kind of go, oh, no, like, what was I walking into? Ah, Right. And it, it's one of those things where the whole time watching that, I thought, oh, I'm so happy Ari has a transplant. Yeah. I'm so relieved because... The other thing I was going to ask you, and I think I know the answer to this because I have my own answer. Sure. While the information in this segment was new and the specifics of it were unknown to you, were you surprised by any of the things you heard? Not particularly. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, like I said, the, the times that I interacted with these companies when I was on dialysis was basically when I was a visitor, and um, it was always really weird. And for all the reasons I, I just said a little bit ago with it being somebody new, but I was coming from centers that were not owned by these companies. And so to come into like a branded experience was strange. I'd even go so far as to say creepy. Sometimes. Yeah. Um, because dialysis is dialysis is dialysis. There are different companies that manufacture different machines, but it's all dialysis. It's just, you walk into a center, there's a machine that basically looks like some other machine you've been on, they put needles in your arm in the same place they always do, and they set it in the same way that they do as they would anywhere else. It's all the same. So to walk into a center where they say, hey, we don't do, just do dialysis here. We do DaVita dialysis is weird. Like, what does that mean? It feels like snake oil. And I would get packets. Right. You come in as a visitor for your life-saving treatment that you need, <laughs> and they hand you a stack of marketing material. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it was very confusing. And I remember, at least at one place, the TV was broken. So I read the whole thing, and I did not get anything out of it because uh, it wasn't about the medicine that was better or anything. It was just talking about the experience. And I remember looking around the room going, yeah, it looks pretty much the same. And it's they're pretty aggressive in their pitch, right? Yeah. Okay, well, what? how did you like your experience today? Would you like to switch to a DeVita Center? You know, here's, they will look it up and come to you. Here's the DeVita Centers we found close in your area that you could switch to if you talk to your doctor. Mm -hmm. It's like they're trying to sell you a timeshare. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Except the timeshare is exactly the same as wherever you live and a little bit further away. And again, it's not a vacation. It's the life-saving yeah. treatment that you need. <laughs> yeah. There's just nothing that differentiates at least in my experience, the branded dialysis experience from a differently branded dialysis experience from a non-branded one, except the brand. You know, the pens have names on them, I guess. And 
and according to this segment, you might be getting worse care where they cut corners and right. don't clean a machine or might take you off the machine too early or aren't looking at or overseeing your care with the kind of diligence they should. Exactly. Like, it's just, it it, it struck me as silly then, and then it strikes me as scary now, because I didn't know what these extra things were. And, you know, now, if I were to go on dialysis in center, which I would be very unlikely to do, if my transplant failed, I would do my best to get on home hemo again as soon as possible. But if I were to go into in-center dialysis, I would have basically no choice but to go to one of these two companies. Right. That's something that I don't think they had time to get to in their segment. Yeah. But a thing that I think is good for people to know, which is that there's not a lot of patient choice. You don't do a lot of comparison shopping when you need dialysis. No. You find a place that's in your area that you can have access to that has an available time slot or chair. Right. And usually that's a choice of one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it might be that two are roughly equidistant or something, but no. Like, I know we talked about this in the episode where we talked about it, that when we moved to Seattle, I went to my brand new doctor and he said, when do you need to dialyze? And I said, tomorrow. And he said, okay, where exactly do you live? And I told him, and he said, cool, you're going to go to this center. It's wonderful. And he made a call, and I went there the next day, and that's where I stayed. And they were pretty great, you know, for a dialysis center. Um, everybody was nice. Everybody was friendly. They seemed pretty competent. I don't remember anything getting particularly screwed up, but it was dialysis, and it was pretty close to where we lived. So we did talk about this in mm -hmm. previous episodes when we talked about visitor dialysis, and we didn't talk about at the time the names of the companies or the places you visited, or sure. whether or not they were for-profit companies. Yeah. Because we weren't focusing on that at the time. But when you did visitor dialysis at these centers, would you agree with me that you had worse dialysis? Um, for the most part. I, You know, it depends on the specific instance we're talking about, but I think all the times that you went with me, yeah, absolutely. There were definitely some times that I had visitor dialysis and, like, something was odd, but it was fine. But almost all the times that you went with me, which would have been when I was later in my dialysis experience, when more and more dialysis centers were run by for-profit companies, uh, yeah, it was, it was worse. That's why I think both of us would say, yes, while some of the information was really scary and new to us, we're not surprised that that's going on. Right. Because what I saw with my own eyes, what we both experienced, was a place where it felt like they don't care about you. Mm -hmm. Where it felt like they're kind of rushing or cutting corners or don't have a lot of respect or care for the patients. Yeah. You know, there's a part during that segment where they play a clip of the CEO of DeVita comparing his business to like a Taco Bell. Right. And the patients aren't what's important. The patients aren't what's important. And when it's your life or death on the line, mm -hmm. you know, they're talking about the mortality rates. Yeah. That's a very chilling thing to hear. Yeah. And while it's chilling to hear him outright say that, that is implicit in the experience we had when we were there. Yeah, absolutely. The thing that rang the most true and familiar was the scheduling aspect that they talked about. Yeah. Where that they needed to, to maximize profit to run a very tight ship scheduling wise and 
that has got to be super tricky to do, obviously, to keep everybody going on machines at the right times and coming off at the right times and all of that stuff. And I think we even talked about that. You know, there, there are times, especially when I was a visitor at places where I had to wait for a very long time to get Hours. on a machine. Yeah. And that's not okay. But in the case that they're talking about now is where they just say, well, we need to get other people on this machine. So they'll just tell somebody, ah, eh, you've dialyzed long enough today. We've pulled off enough fluid. You're good. And the patient going, what, you know, what are you talking about? That's not how that works. Right. This is not a thing you can mess with. When right. somebody has a prescription, they need to, they need to dialyze for that amount of time. Yeah. You can't just take off some of the fluid because the rest of the fluid, you know, gathers around your heart or in your lungs. It, it matters. So I, I've had the experience of waiting a very long time for visitor dialysis, but I've also had the experience where, sort of relatedly, like, at a visitor dialysis center, they would just sort of ignore what I would tell them about my dry weight or how much fluid to take off. And that caused me very serious problems because I have a really sensitive body to that kind of thing, where even... 0.1, 0.2 kilos in the wrong direction can dramatically affect how I feel. Um, it's led well, to... And your health and safety. Well, obviously my health and safety, I guess. But, you know, I noticed it personally because I remember there being days um, where I'm essentially on vacation where I was, like, useless to me and to others and a burden on others because... They had taken too much fluid off, and I could barely stand, let alone, like, walk. And trying to have a conversation with me has got to have been super frustrating because I could not, like, think clearly because they had brought me too low because they just kind of went, well, about this, sure, and I would be saying, um, that's not right. And they're like, oh, it'll be fine. And, you know, again, that stuff matters, yeah, over and over watching this, I just kept thinking, oh, I'm so glad Ari has a transplant. I'm so relieved. Yeah, me too. Because even though it's in the past, I had that feeling of just feeling really unsafe. Mm -hmm. And it made me feel terrible for people who are watching it now who are still on dialysis, yeah. who don't have transplants, and who might be watching this thinking, wait, that's the company that gives me dialysis. Yeah. And I don't want to go to a company like that. And they might not have an option to switch. There might not be another place available to them in their area yeah. where they can get better dialysis. Yeah. Like, probably the best option would be to switch maybe to home hemo, but that's not available everywhere. And often, you know, home hemo is now done by both DeVita and Fresenius. And I, I don't even know how that works because they definitely didn't go into that. But I did a quick Google search and... Like in the top five was Fresenius Home Hemo and DeVita Home Hemo. And, you know, of course they're in that. It's very profitable. It's more stuff. But, like, I I hope I never have to go on dialysis again. And like I said, if I do, I'm going to go straight to Home Hemo. But I don't know how that's going to work. It seems like it's a very, very different landscape out there. It used to be this one company that would do it, and it was just them. And they were very personal. And now I don't know. And this is something we also talked about during the segment where we talked about visitor dialysis. Mm -hmm. And it's something they didn't get to on the John Oliver segment. Okay. And it's also a thing that I, I worry, did we talk about that very well or not? Yeah. And I worry about talking about it now because I don't feel like I'm the best <laughs> representative. But bad dialysis care mm -hmm. and bad patient education, which is one of the things he talks about. Yes. 
according to my own observation and what I saw when you visited clinics, breaks down along race and class lines. People who are poorer and people who are not white are getting worse care. The centers where you went where I felt the most afraid for you or the most upset about what was going on were serving black people. It was all African-Americans in the waiting room and white people behind the desks. And there are lots of ways in which privilege plays into every aspect of your life, Mm -hmm. obviously, and into medical care, like what we're talking about. Right. But one of the things I've been thinking about and examining since I watched that segment and thinking about those experiences in visitor dialysis is that when you live your whole life with the experience of, I can talk to an authority figure if I'm having a problem (laughs) and make some trouble and something might happen and that is safe for me to do. Yeah. You have certain expectations. Right. So when you were in those dialysis centers and there was something hinky going on or you weren't getting good care, I went, okay, time to go make some trouble. Let me speak to the person in charge. Let me raise some hell. And you got better care. Right. And I felt empowered to advocate for you. Mm -hmm. And especially because we're talking about life and death, it's very, very creepy and very, very upsetting that those things break down along the usual biases that everything breaks down on. Yeah, I I basically have nothing to add, <laughs> um, except in sort of a, a different vein. I agree with everything you said. That was absolutely my experience as a patient. And um, But I would say that, you know, in the segment, one of the education things he was talking about was that patients are not being informed that better outcomes for cheaper come from kidney transplant as opposed to dialysis. It's pretty much just always better to have a transplant than to be on dialysis. It absolutely is. And that's obvious to me and it's obvious to you just from having done it. And to many people would seem obvious. But obviously, a for-profit dialysis center does not have, in a self-interested way, any incentive to tell you that. And they're not really required to, so they don't. But for me, I didn't need a dialysis center to tell me that one way or another. In fact, I don't remember any dialysis center I've ever been to talking to me about transplant options, except like when I brought it up or they might have asked, hey, so are you on the the list? That would have been it. But because I had doctors saying, let's get you on the list right away. And I was, you know, all over that from the time I was like 19. I knew that. And... I can't say what I would have been told if I went to a different doctor. But when I first started thinking about this, I was like, well, whew, good thing I chose to always go to those, you know, medical centers that were like at university research hospitals. And then I stepped back a little bit and I said, well, I say I chose, but really I was fortunate enough to be able to choose. I was lucky enough that I was aware of that as an option, that I could afford to drive further if that's what I needed to do, which in most cases where I have lived has been the case. It is a farther transport to go to the better hospital, and I do it because it's better, and I know it's better. And not everybody has that option. Lots of people just go to the doctor that's closest because that's all they can do, or all their insurance will pay for, or something. And... That's really bad because to tie this to another thing that I think we've talked about privately, 
we have seen um, in the Alport Syndrome Foundation uh, support group, a lot of people asking questions where we read that question and go, oh my God, you're getting terrible advice. Right. They'll say, my doctor says X, Y, Z. And then there's, you know, a bunch of comments from other people going, that's wrong. Yeah, no, no, no. Go to a different doctor. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and and that's that's really scary. And it's like, I can sometimes look at it from a remove, like, well, at least I know better or my doctor would tell me better and good for me. But not everybody has that option. Not everybody lives someplace where there's more than one doctor that they can go to at all. Right. That's the other common <laughs> post. Okay, I live in this small city. Does anybody else live there? Who do you go see? Right. Right. Or, you know, I'm going to make the annual four-hour trek to medium-sized city that is the closest one to me where there's a better hospital. And that's terrifying because... For that kind of person in that sort of situation, their medical care then is mostly coming from, say, their dialysis clinic because they're giving medical care and they should be giving good medical advice. And based on the reporting that we saw last night, they are not. They're not. They're telling people, oh, you know, it's a choice and presenting transplant or dialysis as these two, you know, equal options with equal outcomes. They're not. Those are not. That's just not true. Yeah. And I... I, I will say that, you know, 20 years ago, I kind of thought they were equal options with equal outcomes, except for quality of life. I thought the only difference is quality of life. And I don't know that that was supported by anything a doctor told me, but that was kind of what I knew. And as time has gone on, dialysis has gotten better, but transplants have gotten way better. We've gotten so much better at that, and we know so much better about the long-term bad effects of dialysis like it keeps you alive but this happens this happens this happens this happens it's not good for you over people, the long term people in general don't live long on dialysis no um it you know it's bad for you it's rough on your heart it's rough on a lot of stuff um i think i mentioned somewhat recently on a later episode of, of the podcast that uh they had done a biopsy of my liver after i'd been on dialysis for a while and there were a lot of iron deposits there I had no idea that was even a thing. They didn't even tell me. I don't know what that effect is, but that's unusual, and it's not, like, normal for your body. Maybe it's fine, but maybe it isn't. There's just so, so, so many things beyond quality of life, and to say, eh, you know, it's fine, or to make some kind of, like, kind of disgusting argument, like, well, all your friends are here. Well, yeah, they had a recording talking to somebody who worked at DaVita Clinic's Saying, well, you know, just some of my patients, they decide to stay on dialysis because they, they really like the community here instead of having a transplant. Yeah. And that infuriated me. Yeah. Because, you know, oh, the, the great community in a <laughs> dialysis center. Yes, I just, I love when I go and I check in and there's the armed guard escorting a prisoner to the machine that they're going to get shackled to. <laughs> and the person with the glazed over eyes staring off into nothing in space mm -hmm. next to the person yelling in pain next to the person going down a list of phone numbers of family and friends to beg them for money. Right. I, I really feel like I'm part of something special something, here. Something really special. Yeah. And I mean, I will say, and I said this to you earlier, that particularly at the Seattle clinic that I, I went to, I had... A very friendly relationship with the head nurse, with a number of the techs. You know, we talked about things. Sometimes even when they weren't actively working on me, you know, I knew stuff about their kids. They knew stuff about what I was doing. Sure, 
that's cool. But after I left for Home Hemo, and I, you know, we said goodbye. We said, hey, I'll miss you, but not really. And they were like, yeah, I get it. I haven't talked to them. We're not Facebook friends. It's not my community that I miss. I, we were done. Yeah, here's a question. What do you miss about dialysis? Absolutely nothing. Yeah, there's nothing about staying at a dialysis center that's worth years of your life, that's worth yeah. the quality of your life. And for them to be miseducating people like that is horrific. Yeah, it's, it's, just, it's just terrible. I could, you know, have an actual life like I do now, where I go out and I do things and I have a job and I'm alert and aware and, you know, fine most of the time. There's just no comparison. So I think we've discussed that yeah. plenty. To change gears here, usually at the end of our episodes, I ask you, how are you feeling this week? Yeah. So I guess I'll ask, how have you been feeling since the last time we recorded a kidney cast episode? Um, you know, pretty good. Uh, really pretty good. We're winding down the school year and stuff, so that's always uh, a rush kind of like that. But um, I recently had my eight-year kidneyversary. Woo! Woo! And eight, the, that's eight years since your kidney transplant. Since this kidney transplant. And we talked about it extensively um, in previous episodes, but, you know, it's been going great. It's still going great. I'm happy. My doctor's happy. It's good. The sort of funny thing this year was that, you know, every year I try to make kind of a big deal. May 11th, May 11th. Okay. And I was so busy, largely with good things, um, and so sort of wrapped up with all of these other things that I was doing that I, you know, had chosen to do career-wise, personally, all kinds of stuff that I actually forgot until at some point in the afternoon, I, f I checked Facebook and it was like, look at your memories. And I went, oh, one year ago, it says it was my kidneyversary. Why would that? Oh, because today, today is my kidneyversary. And it has been every year. It's eight years. And that was, that was kind of crazy, but I felt like it was a really, a really good sign. You know, oh, here I am. It's become so normal and so fine and on like the level of panic has dropped so low that I could actually miss an important event like that where in earlier years it was like, ooh, okay, four years, hope, 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 hope it's still going good, you know, fingers crossed, okay, five years, that's amazing, but oh no, I hope it's still going good and now we're at eight years where I still could be feeling that way and, you know, sometimes I do. But mostly it's just like, all right, this is good. Here we are. I'm just doing my thing. And that was a great feeling. And every year to celebrate your transplant, one of the things we do is encourage people to become organ donors and sign up. That's a thing we've yes. done on this podcast multiple times. But please sign up to be an organ donor. Mm -hmm. um, there's information available on the website for this episode, for every episode of the Kidney Cast. Mm -hmm. It's a great thing to do. And it saves lives, and it helps people avoid creepy for-profit <laughs> dialysis centers. Yeah, please, please do consider it. So, Ari, thank you so much for seeing the kidney signal and <laughs> sitting down with me to record this podcast. Uh, we'll record next time we've got any new information or new things to talk about. Yes, every once in a while, it is time once again to don the cape of El Riñon. <laughs> thank you so much for listening. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>